Hello and welcome to another episode of Wannabe Entrepreneur. Today I have another interview for you. I have Derek Mishu with, with me today. Hey Derek, how, how's it going? Everything good? It's going well, Tiago. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's, it's my pleasure. I'm very excited about this interview because I, I really believe that I will learn a lot uh, with you. Uh, Derek is a musician. He also has his own uh, company, Shelby Row Productions, that helps uh, other uh, podcasters set up their podcast and edit their sounds. He has a YouTube channel. And uh, I'm, I'm super excited because I, I know that I will uh, learn a lot, uh, a lot from you. And uh, oh, and of course, I also forgot that you also have your own uh, your own uh, podcast, the uh, Podlogics, right? Correct. Yes. Cool. So I, I even have to confess that I'm a little bit nervous because I feel that I'm really talking here with a, with a professional. Uh, <laughs> oh no, man! We're all friends here. Uh, no, yeah. nothing to be nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. So <laughs> I would like to <laughs> to to start by asking uh, you to introduce yourself uh, to the listeners, Derek, if you don't mind. Sure. So uh, my name is Derek Mishu, like uh, like you mentioned. Um, I do live in the States. I'm from the state of Maine, um, but now I live in the Memphis, Tennessee area. And um, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, you know, for the last, gosh, 20 years or so, I've been a touring musician and uh, did that for a while, among all kinds of other side hustles, which we can definitely dig into as far as the world of entrepreneurship when it comes to having to have five different hustles in order to pay your bills, yeah, you know? Um, but yeah, so I, I have a daughter, she's 13. Her name is Skylar. Uh, I work from home and, uh, with my new business that's been in operation now for a couple of years. And, uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's a quick summary of, uh, kind of what I'm about. What is your background? So, do you study like sound engineering, or uh, did you study music? What What is your background? So, the music thing started when I was, gosh, twelve, thirteen, um, wow. and but it was a little high school band here and there. You know, it wasn't taking things too seriously, uh, but it got me interested in equipment. So. When I went into my senior year of high school, there was a uh, a course called Media Technology, and it was more for radio and television production, but I mm -hmm. just knew that this would be an opportunity to be in a classroom where I could push buttons and push faders and record audio, whether it's music or not. I just wanted to get my hands on some sound equipment. I was just interested in that. And it gosh, maybe two weeks into the class, the the teacher announces that uh, there was an opening in a radio station group in a city just north of where I grew up, and if anyone was interested in interviewing. And I raised my hand immediately. It was for <laughs> for uh, like an AM radio station, um, all talk kind of radio station. And it was a very, very simple entry-level position where I, I was basically just playing commercials for the radio market. Very easy. But it got me started into a radio career that was off and on for me for about 10 years. Fast forward to when I started the podcasting deal in uh, 2018, I was able to tap back into my radio days. And then, like I mentioned, you know, but starting year 2000, 
2001 is when I started taking music very seriously. And that became my number one hustle that controlled my life for 20 years. How is it to, to, to live as a musician in, in the U.S.? Is it as hard as uh, here in, uh, in Europe? It's, uh, is, or, or do you know a lot of people that are able to have a, a steady paycheck and a steady job as musicians? How is this? So, you know, it all depends on where you live. You know, if you live in Nashville, Tennessee, and you, and you break into the circles down there and play downtown, you can make some good money. Also, that's where a lot of the major touring comes from. You know, right. you, you start, you hook up with a, even a medium rate country artist that has a good booking agent. They, they go out every weekend and play big clubs or festivals. You know, well, that's all based in Nashville. You hook up mm -hmm. with a good band, you meet up on a Thursday night, get in the tour bus, come back, you know, go do your thing, come back Sunday. Uh, if you can get to the higher scale jobs like that, you're doing good. But is it originals or is it covers? Cover bands? Uh, often, if you're, if you're playing with a major label artist or mid-level artist, it's mostly originals. Okay. Uh, but the majority of work is you got, you're going to have to learn to play a lot of covers. The other, the other big avenue for musicians is casinos. Back in late 90s, early 2000s, it was the kind of job to get. And I, and I was very fortunate to come in to that world in 2006 for about four years. And that was when I didn't need any other hustle work. That was the, that was the one period where it was a full-time job. You go to a casino, you set up, and they hire you to play five nights. Okay. Okay. And then you you do your job, you get you do your contract. Uh, you, your last night to play is Saturday. You leave Sunday to the next casino, and then right. you just do that week after week after week for four years or so. I was gone each year for forty five to fifty weeks out of the year, but living in casinos, which can bring its own adventures. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it's tough. It's who you know. There's luck. There's circumstance, and it's fleeting. You finally find something that pays good, and then sure enough, there's always something that happens six, seven months down the road where the singer decides to slow down or quit altogether or something happens. So right. then you're always searching. It's always a hustle. Yeah. So what I know about that is, um, so I, I come from a country that is a very, very small, small country, uh, which is Portugal. And I have a couple of friends trying to make it as musicians. And if they want to make as the original, so have their own original music, it's it's very hard. It's very, it's very hard. hard. Yeah. Yeah. You can make you can start making money professionally as a cover band. No yeah. problem. Is it the same though? Is it is it something that for in your case, what do you prefer? Like playing music that everyone loves and already knows, or creating your own? So, you know, that's a fun question because I'm a bass player. I forgot to mention that. And why, yeah. and why I highlight that is I am, a, you know, a typical bass player like myself is a hired gun, as we're called. You, you want to hire me to provide you a service as a bass player? Okay, you send me the song list. What am I getting paid? <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and I'm, I've never really been in a position where I was in an original band, part of the writing. I've been in plenty of bands that did originals. But for me, it was like learning a cover song. It was someone else's yeah. music, and I was just getting paid to, to play it. But in terms of ease, 
if you're wanting to be an all original band, you are climbing a very steep, long hill. Yeah. And you're going to have to understand you're going to be working for free for a long time. Now, here's the thing just like business, you got risk and you got reward. If you start a cover band, the risk is low, the work is there, but there is a ceiling. You're just yeah. going to make 100 to $150 a man US, right? If you're an original band, you believe in yourself, just like you're starting your own business and you gamble on yourself, you commit no matter how painful it may be, no, no matter how much debt you're putting yourself into, if it works, then the reward is limitless. And so the Rolling Stones didn't get huge for playing covers. They got huge because they gambled on themselves and decided, you know what, we're going to write our own music. I mean, it's, it's already so hard to make it, uh, to have a steady job as a you know, cover artist. Uh, so if you're trying to do it as, you know, a regional band, I guess it's even, even harder. It is. Yeah, it is. But if you're good, um, the reward is sweet, right? It's really nice. Yes. Yes. Very much so. And one, one question that I also have for you, which is, so after, you know, years in, in this industry, I guess you had your fun and it must have been also quite, quite cool and interesting and, and fun, but very tiring right like it's hard to to have a family if, if you're always traveling around right so is that the reason why you you decided to do something uh different to create your own business no you know i it, it this all kind of just happened by circumstance let me let me say that clear for you um the podcast thing that i started was just another side hustle It right. was another thing that I could add to the list of other hustles that I was piling together for sake of being able to be a touring musician. Because what makes it hard to be a touring musician is not only do you need supplemental income, but you need flexibility. You, you might be on the road for a month, times are good, but then you have a few weeks off, times are slim, mm -hmm. so you need to pick up work. Well, you can't, you can't just work at a retail store and say, look, I'm going to be gone for a month. I'll see you when I get back. You need flexible work that can wrap around it. So um, I discovered a website called Upwork. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but yeah. uh, it, was, it was, I just Googled one day work from home, freelance work or whatever. I was looking for another thing, came across Upwork. And at first I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to try to learn how to code or <laughs> <laughs> I can find some kind of administrative work in here. But then just randomly, I saw something in the, the job feed for editing a podcast. Wow. That's interesting. I can do that. Yeah. And then I, then I just went to the search engine. And I was like podcast editing and I couldn't believe the amount of need there was. I didn't real. I had no idea it was going to be what it became. So, but I look back on it, that's when everything changed for me because yeah. I could do it, but it was another hustle, but like, all right, let's try to get a client. Let's try to get yeah. two clients. It gave me that flexibility. I could work from home. Now I'm in control of my fate. I'm not just yeah. a hired gun for a band and I'm passionate about it. I lost, I lost my passion in playing music many years ago. Because you start playing the same hundred songs over and yeah. over and over. What and was over. the song that you played the most? Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's another song called Wagon Wheel. There's, uh, you know, there's, there's, yeah, you get your standards and you kind of yeah. go into autopilot and you just, 
you can just play and not even realize you're playing it. But right, autopilot um, mode, autopilot mode. Yes, for sure. Another factor is I I quit drinking in uh, 2014, so you can imagine being on the road and a non-drinker. Well, can, yeah. <laughs> can be difficult too. <laughs> I cannot so, imagine. Yes, yeah. Because as so, an artist, right, as an entertainer, you all you are always expected to you know bring a certain vibe, bringing a certain energy. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though everyone says, you know, you don't need alcohol to have fun. I mean, you need it to, to reach that level of excitement most it, of the times, right? So how can oh, yeah. you keep up without it? it? It's very it's hard. Like, it's like liquid adrenal- adrenaline, you know, yeah. it puts you that place. It puts you in, now you're, you're along with the audience. They're drinking, you're drinking. And that's the other thing. You're allowed to drink on the job. You don't have any boundaries, you know, you got bartenders delivering you shots of whiskey or tequila yeah. or whatever. And if you um, don't accept it, they will take it, they might take yep. it in the wrong way, right? Yep. And I, I had to nip that in the bud real quick. I, I quickly yeah. had to be like, don't feel bad about this. And if someone wants to give you grief over it, whatever. And, and quickly just got a lot of confidence in it. And I'm like, no one's going to persuade me to drink if I really mean it to not drink. Yeah. But, the whole room around you gets drunk, and that's the difficulty. It's not the the urge uh, of wanting to drink because you're around alcohol. It's having to be sober, the only sober person exactly. in a room of a hundred drunk people. Uh, <laughs> it's that's, very hard. It's very hard. it's very hard. Yeah, but I got used to it. Yeah, I was I was just thinking when when you're talking about uh, you having multiple uh, side hustles, how how is it like? Because you know, I'm I'm also trying not to to live out of my projects, and I I was lucky enough to have some money on the side from from my uh, job previously. Mm-hmm. But it's you know it's kind of nerve wracking thinking. Okay, I need to make money to live. Was it a constant stress for you, or did you just get used to that? It became normal, but it didn't make it any less stressful. Things are good, but all of a sudden, oh man, I need new tires on my car. Yeah. Be, you get this big blast of of need, and then it's credit card, you know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. my credit card debt was life. You know, I was not the guy to, oh, man, I got a new credit card and buy a thousand dollar television. Yeah. All my the most of my debt is because of oh my car broke down. I need a thousand bucks. Yeah. Um. So that's where it gets stressful, and that's when you just sometimes you just feel defeated because just mm-hmm. when things are gotten going smooth and another thing comes in because yeah. the margins are so thin that you don't have wiggle room for any kind of life save. coming mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely must be, must be hard. So, so I, I guess that in the back of your mind, you're always trying to find for that a side hustle that would get catch fire. And, um, it, it's funny because I don't know when, when you're working in your first radio gig back in the days, you know, internet and streaming was coming along. And uh, I don't know, for some reason, I also thought that radio would die. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now podcasts are coming. And podcasts is basically, it's basically radio somehow. Uh, instead of being live, it's not live radio, but it's, it's the audio format. Did you ever think that this would be possible, that the audio format would uh, come with such a, a strength? Well, before thinking of podcasting, it, it was no surprise to me that radio started dying out. Radio didn't die out because of podcasting. Radio died out because of radio. You know, the way they the way they started structuring major conglomerates 
piecing all the radio stations together in one big company and watering it down. You know, everything's pre-recorded now. That they don't give disc jockeys any space to bring personality. It's just very cookie cutter. You listen to the pop station. You you got the same twenty songs all day every day. Yeah. Um. Uh. So that they were already shooting themselves in the foot. Now podcasting started really ramping up. I would say in late, you know, 2011, 12. It's been around since before then, but you know, we can look back on when Joe Rogan kind of started. He was he was yeah. a pioneer because it wasn't really kind of known as podcasting. It was just, hey, I'm going to sit down with my buddies. We're going to roll some video and audio, record it, and post it on YouTube or yeah. something. You know, just kind of throw it out there. Um, but I feel like the reason why podcasting has become what it is, is it's on demand. It's very accessible to listen to but it's accessible to do it. Like you, right. You yeah. Can, it, 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 at the lowest budget, if you really wanted a podcast, you can, you yeah. know, if you didn't want all the bells and whistles and you didn't want higher end editing, you can literally just record yourself, get an anchor account and blast it out there or get That's a exactly quick, what you know, I did. That's exactly yeah, what get I a did. YouTube, get a YouTube channel and just go and start. Yeah. So, and then use it as a marketing tool for your business. And that's why then when businesses really started catching on to the kind of reach and the way you can repurpose a podcast, audio and video, and make it snippets for Instagram or, you know, just a, using it as a way to market their brand or business, that's when things really took off. So so let's let's get back to your business then. Um, you said that you, you're first using this uh, freelancing uh, website. Uh, now I forget the name. What is it? Top, top, Upwork. No. Upwork. Upwork, right? And you started using it, and it and it was uh, it caught fire, right? So uh, you, I guess, you were editing a lot of uh, a lot of material every day. And yes. uh, how did things evolve then? So the first, let's see, I got my first client in um, January of 2018. It takes you know six months to finally get a few but getting that first one is nice because now you have more resume you have some experience and then that's when things started rolling for like a year or so uh i was getting busier and busier i still needed other side hustles but this was definitely starting to build into something that i could grab onto. what would you do then um what tasks would you do for these clients just editing their podcast or more Great question. And that definitely ties into why I started an agency. Yes, all I was doing was editing. There was two factors. A, I was getting busy enough where I realized I can only edit so much in a week. Yeah. But I saw my earning potential being capped. I'm like, you know, I'll, unless I can always up my hourly rate, there's going to be a ceiling here. By this time, I've heard a lot of clients asking, can you do the show notes can you do episode cards can you do our cover art you know and i had to say no to a lot of those things and it cost me clients it was early summer of 19 is when i realized i need to rethink this thing i can either keep trudging along in the mud or let's change the mindset and think i need to be a business uh before before we continue that i still have a question from uh, your editing days and this is more an expertise sure. question so sure. what what are the 
main things that you would edit in the podcast or what are the main mm -hmm. attributes for for a great good sounding episodes what i've learned um is filler words is really the big the big thing uh, big thing we call it scrubbing so right. let's, let's take this episode for example and if i was your editor and i'm listening through and then i hear myself go um uh um okay. those those filler words get old and tiring and i'm the worst I, i i'm the worst at delivering filler words but a lot of people want that out so there's the scrub editing where you're just going through and taking out all of those blemishes if you will some clients want certain pieces of content taken out and then of course tacking on the intro and outro so as far as editing that's pretty pretty much basic After that, it's mastering right. and making sure that there's as little background noise as possible, compressing, EQing, making it sound full and 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 good. Yeah, cool. Uh, this was just a, a side note here for also for uh, for me to to know more because it's it's you know it's, sure. I don't have uh, this opportunity to speak with experts and people in this area that, that often I'm using also this this episode. Yeah. And I'm sure also that other people, other uh, of the listeners, might be interesting in that. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, go going bo back to the to the storyline. So you just said that now it's time to grow. It's time to become a CEO and uh, not a freelancer. It's time to create a business, and um, this meant hiring, right? This meant also investing. And uh, tell tell me what what went through through your mind uh, this process of investing and and uh, you know putting yourself into debt. Mm -hmm. how, how were those days terrifying <laughs> <laughs> but also fulfilling because i i finally was like you know what i'm at a poker table and i'm just pushing all my chips in and if this doesn't work a year from now then i'll just go bankrupt it is what it is you know um so with that mentality i just i was afraid it was yeah. scary and i started quitting other hustles even though i needed the money it wasn't about money earned it was time if i yeah. really wanted this business to do what i hoped it would do it needed not only a credit card but it needed my time so i was ramping up business debt because now i got a business checking account and a business credit card so i had that but then i'm also paying a third of my personal bills with a personal credit card how certain were you that the business uh, would work out because i know that you already had your clients right so It was not a totally uh, shot in the dark, right? So you're kind of already had an idea that people were, there was a need for it. Mm -hmm. So how certain were you that this would work out in a scale to, from one to, to 10, for instance? Uh, it would be like eight, but right. only because, and you, and you mentioned it, you know, the first year and a half, I was a freelancer. That was like a market test. So I realized that the, there was pain points and, and people needing producers to help them with their podcasting. Yeah, It wasn't like I just woke up one day and said, you know what, I'm going to be a podcast producer and start from scratch. Exactly. And, you know, it, it took a year and a half for me to be like, you know what, this can work. I've been uh, talking with a lot of uh, people here in the podcast. And one thing most of them or all of them have in common is the passion. And uh, I, I really believe now that uh, the, probably one of the most important things you need to have for your business is passion. because It will be such a hard journey, you know, so many uh, bad dreams, so many anxieties, stress that if you're not passionate about it, 
I, you, you won't make it. So what was your first hire? And how many people did you want to hire in the first place? And uh, what was your first? So my first technical hire was um, a lady by the name of Nicole to just help me with things, whatever it may be, as, a, as an assistant. But right. assistant that I could pay two hours a week for. After that, I hired an editor. His name is PJ. He's still with me. He still works some of the highest end stuff we do. And again, now I'm not only giving away hustles, now I'm giving away editing work. How did it feel to to lose control and, and, and give uh, this? Because it's a big responsibility, right? How did it feel to, to give to someone else? When it came to the editing, wasn't a big problem. It was weird at first because you feel a little less connected to the client now. You get right. someone else in the mix. But... I was a very much a basic editor. You know, I, I knew enough to get around and I hired a guy that was an editor, like someone that really knows what's going on. So I was able to let go of that ego quickly because I knew the product was getting better. The The fear starts coming in where you're like, I need this person. Yeah. You know, um, now the real hard let go issue I had, which is down the timeline here, but when I when I incorporated task managers, that was... That was next level to really give up that piece of the of the job. What is the what was the biggest challenge? This is the area that was hard for me to let go because it's Why? very sensitive. It's just more sensitive. Their responsibility now is to make sure that the life cycle of an episode for a client is done well, done on time. Yeah. What uh, what have you learned from that process? What uh, what are the tips that you would give for someone trying to let go? and delegating to other managers just be prepared to deal with mistakes and it's okay um i would say the biggest thing i learned was going back to the uh, uh, let's say a system you know i use a certain production management platform called monday.com there's asana there's trello and there's so many mm -hmm. other different platforms so there's like the actual physical way of tasking people Right. But you can also you set up a system like how does my company operate? You know, Trello and these other things are for any company, but how does my podcast agency run? I realized that the system was my system and it was good for me, but now I'm bringing other people in. It didn't make sense. It didn't work. That I was trying to force them into again what I thought was the company system. Like, hey, this is how we run it. I, re I really believe that when you start hiring or bringing other people to your project, it stops being your project and it becomes our project, right? And, yes, uh, absolutely. You have to share the idea, you have to share the vision, and you have to mold it with uh, with with others, right? You mm -hmm. have uh, to create together uh, the new path. And uh, it's interesting absolutely. that you're validating that and uh, you felt the same in your business. So... If we just go one step back, you hired uh, PJ, right? Your first editor. You you had an assistant, and mm -hmm. uh, how did it grow? Like so, you basically then you were able to say yes to more clients, and that brought more and more clients. Was was that it? How how did your clientele uh, grew? I'm simultaneously growing my business. I'm also needing people to offer services, so I hired a graphic designer that worked for me. But then now. If someone asks me, hey, can you do our cover art? Yes. Yes, we can. And that's how things just started snowballing. Do you hire full-time? 
No, no, no. Everyone's freelancers. Everyone's contractors. Right. Doesn't it feel, though, that because they are freelancers, that they cannot connect as much with the business and maybe not give 100% or that's not the case? Both. And, and yes. Yeah, so when it comes to more of the technical people, the, uh, the editors, the writers, mm -hmm. the graphic designers, they are hyper-focused in that area. That's their passion. Freelancers, for the most part, are hungry. They want to work too. They want to build their own business in the sense of right. themselves. When I hire an editor and I'm like, I'm going to be able to feed you at least five hours a week of work. Boom. They love it. It saves them time from having to try to find their own clients when they work for mm -hmm. an agency that's just feeding them clients. Right, right. With that said, let's go back to the managers. Now you're trying to not only ask someone to handle things, but are they invested? And I've, I've had issues with that. And I, just, I finally just came to the conclusion, I could be the best leader in the world, but at the end of the day, no one's going to care about my business more than me. Can't you change this, though? If you, if you bring people as full-time employees and give them, let's say, stake in mm -hmm. the company or something, can you also make this company a little bit theirs, too? Yes, there's definitely options you can do. I, I do have a gentleman on the team that would be that person. Um, mm. And he's great. His name is Mondo. He was my graphic designer that I hired. He's a prime example of, from word go, he was that guy that was like, I'm, I, want, I want to help you build this. I want to be a part of this. And right. he's been the cheerleader ever since. And now I give him all kinds of different work. Um, and yes, he and I have talked. And at some point, I'd like to figure out a way to get them vested in it. Gotcha. And um, so at this point, you are already uh, killing off your debt, right? You Trying, yeah. I mean, I, I still add. Sometimes you just come up with like, you need some capital. And uh, how many clients do you have at the moment? I mean, total around 40. Wow, okay. But then there's a core of repeat, like more dedicated So mm -hmm. I would say 25 are, are there on a consistent basis and others kind of just come and go as they want. But overall, I've touched, as I call, about 100 podcasts total. So, so you use your, um, your own podcast, your YouTube channel, as a way to get more clients? Or, or is it a different business? It's its own thing, but I'm using it as a marketing tool. We are going to now become a content generating entity. Before it was only taking in others, other people's content and producing it and doing our right. thing and publishing mm -hmm. and pushing it out to the world. We weren't doing our own. I'm a podcast producer. I should have a podcast. <laughs> you know, I should be able to walk the walk. You know, it's, it's, really, it's really interesting to see that you are really an entrepreneur and you're always also coming up with other, other businesses and ways to grow and uh, mm -hmm. and it's yeah it's really nice do you do you have a, a, a limit like a place where you say okay now i'm happy i have my business i don't need any more side hustle i, I will just continue or, or do you think this will never happen and i hope someday i can wake up one day and be like i'm out of debt have a nice little house you know i'm not looking to be you know living up on the hollywood hills here to have no debt would be nice 
And I feel like if I was to continue to grow as a businessman after these two companies, it would be like, what's the easiest way to just invest some money into something? Yeah. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you already have your uh, passion set up. Now let's just get a little bit extra with investments. Yeah. yeah. Makes total sense. And uh, the fact that you're also focusing on a niche, it's it's great uh, for business and also for networking. So I, I think it makes total sense. I'm super excited also to hear uh, how the next years will come and uh, probably we'll be able we'll be able to speak again in the in the podcast about that uh, it was really a pleasure to have you here in the in the podcast thank you tiago and anytime i'll come back and we can talk again thank you yeah definitely i will link derek's company and the youtube channel and podcast in the show notes in the description of this episode so you can just go and check it out and uh, yeah if you are uh, if you need a little extra help setting up your uh, podcast, uh, Derek is your man. So uh, reach out to him. And um, this was another wannabe entrepreneur. See you tomorrow. <laughs>